0: This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Kristen Maneri is a certified mindfulness teacher through the International Mindfulness Teachers Association. She's also a certified habits coach through the Tiny Habits Academy under Stanford University Behavioral Scientist BJ Fogg. And besides being a writer and coach, she is the host of the 60 Minute Minutes podcast, which, like mine, launched in 2017 and has produced inspiring and thought-provoking interviews with over 130 authors. Kristen, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Mark. I'm so happy to be here.
0: And when you say you're happy to be here, you've actually moved recently from the home (laughs) of Mickey and Minnie all the way across the world to uh, Western Canada.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We moved from Orlando, Florida to Vancouver Island, British Columbia. So, yeah, it's could, couldn't have possibly moved further in our, <laughs> or a more complicated way. But I'm glad I'm here, too.
0: Yep. Well, you know, it's the summer's going to be nice for you because it gets really hot and humid. I'm in Houston and I grew up in Rochester, New York, and you don't know what heat and humidity is in the summer until you're down south. Atlanta, Orlando, Houston, San Antonio, all those southern states, because you get the heat and you get the humidity, but you probably won't hit too much humidity up there, right?
1: Yeah, and we won't have ten uh, foot snowbanks like they have in Rochester, New York either, because <laughs> it barely snows here.
0: Oh, I don't miss that at all. No.
1: I grew up in Toronto, so I I know well. And my husband's from Rochester, and I used to go visit him, and uh, those snowbanks are legitimately gigantic. It's insane. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: 1978, 79, we had not one, but two blizzards. And if you've never lived up north, if you're only a Southern person, I still love you, but you don't know that there's a difference between a blizzard and a snowstorm. There is a difference. And if you've never lived through a blizzard, you don't get it. And I'm sure you understand what a blizzard and a snowstorm is. Oh,
1: yeah. Yep, Yep.
0: Big difference. And you know, a fun fact here that my hometown is Rochester, New York. And when they rebuilt the airport a number of years ago, they called it the Greater Rochester International Airport because they had one flight that went from Rochester to Toronto. Well, (laughs) that flight was discontinued like a year after they opened the airport. Why would you name an airport international if you had one flight a day? I, I never understood that. So now you have the Greater Rochester International Airport that doesn't have any international flights.
1: Yet, yet. You got to have a growth mindset when it comes
0: yeah, to things like okay. that. Okay. Touche. Touche. So <laughs> let's hop right into mindfulness because mindfulness is really, uh, I want to say taking center stage these days. I've, I've been reading a lot of books on mindfulness. I read, um, Jay Shetty's book, uh, think like mm, a monk,
1: think like it- a monk. That was a great book.
0: Yeah. And that was the first book that really made me understand that you do not have to be in the Lotus position and going, um, if you go on a walk or a run or a bike ride and you're not listening to a podcast or music or to an audiobook, that could be. A, a mindfulness uh, and, you know, being mindful or meditation. I mean, if you're in a shower and you're not thinking about what you have to do that day, if you're not thinking about what went wrong or how much money you have in a bank account, if you're just like present, that could be mindfulness. When I read that, I'm like, wow, that's interesting. And it, it brought me back. And I want to know this is my question for you. I think in this world of 24, 7, 365 social media and internet and streaming, we don't take the time to be quiet and when we're not quiet. We we can't let our brain compress and go through all the thoughts. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. I think that we're also more distracted and distractible than we've ever been. So even when we used to have little moments of quiet that sort of accidentally happened, like waiting at a red light or uh, waiting in line at the bank or at car pickup for our kids those were sort of these accidental moments that would drop into our lives sort of serendipitously that, w- that we could pause and we could reflect and we could actually have a moment of reflection. And those have gone away almost entirely. And I, I know I'm not an anti-technology person, but I can tell you that the the smartphone has become a real enemy if we, if we were to say that there's a fight for mindfulness or presence or reflection. It's just too easy. It's too accessible. It's too, um, addictive. We end up in a moment of pause and opportunity. And the first thing we do is reach for our phone. So, uh, it is challenging to be mindful more than ever. I think
0: in his book, digital minimalism, Cal Newport says we have got to get back to embracing the boredom. So when you're online at the bank or at the supermarket, And there's three, four people ahead of you. Instead of pulling out your phone, which everybody does, why not look around and maybe start strike up a conversation or maybe look at the decorations or something. But we are so conditioned to pick up that phone and check in social media because, goodness gracious, you might have missed something in the last 30 seconds. And I think we need to get back to embracing the boredom. And, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I used to be bored all the time. I'm very rarely bored anymore. I'm always doing something and I've got to learn to stop and say, look, at, just don't do anything. You don't have to do something 24-7, 365.
1: Yeah. Well, this is why I really like the approach of integrating mindfulness into the everyday living of our lives rather than than saying, well, I meditate in the morning, so I've checked that box. I'm I'm a mindful person now. I see mindfulness as being less of a state of being and more of a moment that we experience. So mm-hmm. rather than cr- becoming a mindful person, what I'm doing is creating mindful moments and in the in the midst of that as I do that as I practice, then I actually can, can cultivate uh, a mindful way of being. And so these moments that you're that you're talking about where we would normally whip out our phone when we start to have habits, when we start to sort of, uh, preconceive practices that we can do in those moments, like, for example, going through an ABC gratitude practice when you're standing in line. It's literally A is I'm, I'm gra- grateful for my Aunt Meryl. B is I'm grateful for, bananas, C is I'm grateful for Canada, you know, and, and being really intentional and, and creating habits because we are going to find ourselves with opportunities to be mindful. And without having done the work ahead of time to think, well, what would I do in those moments? We tend to just waste them. Unfortunately.
0: Hey, You, listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast, thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to MrProductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com. That is so important. One of the things I do every morning is I have a bullet journal, and I write, at least five things I'm grateful for and I try not to write the same things over and over again and sometimes they're little things like I'm th- I'm grateful I woke up today or I'm grateful that I can get the run this morning and I think when you think about what you're truly grateful for not just the big things not the big client or whatever think about the small things I mean you know how many people don't have breakfast every morning, or how many people don't have electricity in their world? And I think if everyone took the time, it doesn't take me that long, maybe about three minutes to do this, just write it down what you're thankful for. And here's what I really believe. I believe that the more you do it, the more grateful you really are and you're more present to go, wow, I am really blessed. I, I do have a lot, but if you, if you're in a hustle bustle, you're always worried. You got to get the kids off school and you got to go to work and you got a presentation at work. If you don't stop, then your life, you're going to get to a point like what happened the last 10, 15 years. And I find gratefulness for me serves two purposes. One, it forces me to slow down. And number two, it forces me to understand I am truly blessed.
1: Yeah, well, neuroscientists have proven that our our minds are designed to look for what's wrong. Mm-hmm. It's part of the very, very old ancient design of our brains, which is to, to constantly seeking out threat. So our our brain is, is highly attuned to see what isn't working out, what could be a potential risk, uh, what what are we dissatisfied with. Uh, if we want to rewire our brain and we can <laughs> through the, through neuroplasticity, mm-hmm. those same neuroscientists will say, Hey, we can actually change our own minds, then we have to do that with proactively, because it's not defaulting that way. We're kind of working against a default mechanism that wires us to not see what we're grateful for. So that practice that you're talking about, I love the, the concept of what you appreciate appreciates. It's like for all the times that you write something about your wife that you're grateful for, you're actually wiring your mind to look for things that you like about her, that you love about her. That you appreciate about her. So it, it's to me, the the power of mindfulness is it's not this woo-woo thing where yay you, you can sit for 10 minutes in lotus pose. Mm-mm. It's participating with real deliberateness and intention with the workings of our mind. And for a lot of people, that's, that's kind of mind-blowing, like, wait a second, I didn't know I could do that. You do it all the time. You do it all already. Uh, what I'm talking about is doing it with some real deliberateness and with some real practice.
0: Now you have some kids at home. Uh Are you helping them to practice mindful moments? Are you, because I know I was never taught this when I was young. I was always a go, 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 go. You know, mindfulness wasn't a big thing back in the sixties and seventies. And so I didn't know that. So I'm curious to know with your children, are you teaching them at their age now the importance of mindfulness?
1: Yeah. Definitely not formally, because I can tell you that the one way to get your kids to tune out is to go into sort of teacher. Yep. I I know it all. I'm coming down the mountain with the answers. So it, I just integrated into the everyday living of our lives. So if we're having a stressful moment, I, I model back to them. I'm going to take a couple of deep breaths right now. I'm having a mommy out right now. I need to just to get steady for a minute. Um, I take a mindful pause most of the time before I start eating to just have reverence for the food to acknowledge that I'm hungry. And that I'm, I have the ability to meet that need. So it's less about, um, teaching them and definitely more about modeling and, and just kind of integrating it into everyday moments that we're already having.
0: Do they ever roll your eyes when you go in the mommy timeout?
1: Uh, No, (laughs) because they know that who emerges on the other side of them, of that mommy timeout is definitely someone they like better (laughs) than the one that went in. So, yeah.
0: And I love how you talked about you're mindful of the food. I, I remember there's a story in Think and Grow Rich where Napoleon Hill talks about, you know, you sit down and you have like a breakfast. It's got toast and orange juice and some eggs. But, if you stop and think about what had to happen yeah. for that meal to appear on your plate, you got the farmers and the chickens, and of course you had coffee and that's grown in Colombia. If you really stop and think about it, you sit down and you make the meal of your family, and people gulp it down and take off. But when you sit there and go, "Wow, you know, I am so thankful for this food because." We take so many things for granted. That's one of the things at 56 years young, I, I'm i beginning to appreciate all the things I take for granted. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not promised another day, another hour, another minute, another second. I hope to make the end of this podcast. But, you know, we have to be thankful. And I think, you know, I keep going back to gratitude, but I think gratitude is extremely important if we're going to live a happy and content life.
1: Well, to be honest, if we're not entering our moments you know if we're not actually having any presence whatsoever then we really aren't living we're just thinking about living we're thinking about what happened 5 minutes ago or what we want to do a week from now and and to me it's like the the people that are really enjoying life are the ones that are in it that can can stop and quote unquote smell the roses so it's it's we're we're battling our minds' constant need to analyze what's happening, to think about what's going to happen next, to kind of—we're always sort of um, trying to outwit life. Like, if I think hard enough, and I solve this long enough, and I plan hard enough, then I'm—I'm I'm going to be able to have a good life. And—and and the truth is, we have a good life because we are in it. We actually drop into the present moment and just notice how blessed we are, or how much our needs are being taken care of, or how beautiful our surroundings are, you know, whatever, it whatever it is, but life happens now, not in the planning or in the reflecting.
0: Yeah. One of the things I tell my clients and I tell people in the podcast is the power of micro breaks. And this is, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. So for me, a micro break is not going out to lunch with your friends or colleagues at work. No matter if you are working at home or in a corporate office and you get to the point where you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling stressed, whatever, you need to go get up from wherever you are and you need to walk someplace quiet. Don't be on your phone. Don't talk to anyone. And most importantly, don't think about what you're struggling with. Like you said, what you're going to work on, what you're going to work on tomorrow. Just be present. Take some deep breaths. And I tell people, if you do this, it should take about five minutes. Okay. You come back, you're going to have a renewed energy. Do you agree with that?
1: Oh, hundred percent. And there's a version of a micro ba- break in probably three different parts of the book, but this idea of calling it a—I I call it a mindful pause—punctuating your day with them, your work day especially, because a work day is is one of those one of those experiences where we we, we the hours just melt away, and next thing we look up and it's five o'clock or six o'clock. Mm-hmm. So being able to have set pauses that are structured into your day, whether they're into your calendar is a little alarm that goes off. Um, we have a cuckoo clock that goes off in our house once a day. It's actually just has a different bird chime every hour. And I use that as a a moment to have a mindful pause. So it, it could be something as simple as, Three deep breaths. It could be something that someone does every time they finish washing their hands after going to the bathroom. They could do it while they're washing their hands. So we have these opportunities all day long to just do a quick homecoming. Like, okay, how am I feeling? What am I thinking? Am I holding any tension? Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Like, really just coming back to ourselves and saying, what's happening on the inside? Stop living out in the world and come back inside.
0: I love that. Are you familiar with Brendan Burchard?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: He teaches this thing I really like. He says, when you go from one task or project to another, take a moment to transition. In other words, Mm -hmm. you want to take the first task and you want to like put a bow on it. And even if you're not done with it, put it aside do some deep breaths, and then fully engage. What happens is people go from task A, which bleeds over to B, which bleeds over to C, which bleeds over to D. And meanwhile, your brain's going, "Uh, we working on D, C, A, B? What are we working on? And it's so powerful. You just take a few minutes and just say, okay, I'm going to disconnect from task A and prepare for task B. That's so little, but people go, oh, could that really work? And I'm telling you, the times I do it, it does work because you're telling your brain Now we're switching gears. If you just go from writing a blog post to writing an email and then on a coaching call, your brain is like, it's still trying to hold on to all these bits and pieces.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think we especially feel that in our relationships. So going from work mode or on a business call or doing our taxes and then transitioning into being with another human being, I think more than any other area of our lives, more so than even transitioning between tasks is when we transition to having human connection again and being able to pause, maybe it's when we come home from work or when we're if we work from home when we're, when we're doing that transition and we don't have a formal commute. Mm-hmm. But whether we manufacture one or we actually have one, I think it's really important to to usher ourselves into a new, State of being, a new frame of mind, being able to say, uh, I'm done with that now. I'm complete. Whatever I was working on, whatever I was focused on, being able to be done so that we can now transition to being fully with people in our lives, being a good listener, being attuned, having compassion, um, being patient, all of those things. We, I think we feel, we feel our mindfulness most when it's integrated into our relationships, for sure.
0: Hey there, it's Mark. And I just want to hop in here real quick to invite you to follow me on both Facebook and Instagram. I'm really easy to find there. Just go to the search and type in Mr. Productivity. Two words, Mr. Productivity on Facebook and on Instagram. I don't remember where I heard this or read it, but I heard a story once where a guy would come home from work and there is a bush or a tree or something in his front yard. And when he got out of his car, he would always go over and touch the tree. And that was a trigger for him to say, all my problems at work, I'm going to leave on this tree. I'll pick them up in the morning. And then when he went through that front door with his family, he, his work problems were behind him. They're on the tree. And I like that imagery because it it was a trigger. I mean, obviously the problems didn't really hang on a tree like an ornament at Christmas morning, but it's a trigger for him, he touched the tree. He goes, my problem, day problems are there. And he said he was able to be present with his family. So, I mean, that's something really simple. Anybody can do. Uh, Cal Newport talks about having office hours. So, if you have a dedicated office space in your home and you work eight to five at five o'clock, you walk out and you're done. You'd be present with your loved ones for this night. You don't check email. You don't go and check on the project. you be fully present. But I think people are like, "Well, I'm home. The computer's right there. Just give me a minute. And everyone knows you're not going to be on email for a couple of minutes. You're going to be there for an hour or two. And, and I just think you need to be present when you're with people. I, it drives me nuts when I'm with people and they pull out their phones and they're starting to check things i'm like um hello i'm right here hello (laughs) and so i'll do one of two things either i will walk away most times they didn't even know i walked away or i'll start saying rubbish i'll start saying yeah i think i'm gonna kill your family and uh throw their (laughs) body parts and they go yeah cool that's really awesome like are you listening to me right now Mm -hmm. and i just like listen, if we're having a conversation someplace and you give me an idea, I will say, Kristen, give me a great idea. Do you mind if I add this to my phone so I don't forget? And that's all I would do. I wouldn't check Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. I would literally just do that. And, but problem people are just like, it's like the phones are attached to our hands. They go with us in the bathroom. They go with us in the kitchen, wherever we are, the phone is there. And I'm like, you know, I think we need to start disconnecting ourselves from the phones because last time I chat, we are the human beings and we need to start acting like we're the human beings and we're not the technology.
1: Well, and it, it might sound overly simplified, but it, that's really just a matter of of deciding what your boundaries are. And a, another way to say that is your container. So this is this is the container where I use my phone. This is the container where I don't use my phone. And, and really making sure that they align realistically with your life. If you're someone who needs to check email one more time before 8pm or before you sign off for the night, maybe you've got clients or something in other time zones uh, then it might not realistic be realistic to say I'm turning my phone off at 6 p.m and that's it I don't turn it on again until 8 a.m but but we have to determine what our technology boundaries are, what our work boundaries are and one of the ways that I, I really um, like to do that is is a closing time ritual it's something that I recommend to my clients it's in the book as well as a practice is how do you almost ceremoniously as a ritual, say, I am done now, almost like a diner was, you know, closing, it's turning its sign to close. I power down my computer. I, I potentially power down my phone. I write down four or five things that I want to do the next day, maybe even journal for a minute about something that's bothering me that, that I, that's weighing on me. I, I didn't hear back from this person. I didn't, I'm concerned about this meeting tomorrow, whatever it is, but having a practice that says, okay, this is done now. I am done with this now. And now I am moving on to the other part of my life. Because without that, everything sort of bleeds together. Mm -hmm. And all it takes, as you well know, is one swipe at your email and you see something that is, you know, someone sends you a crappy email or you see a bill you weren't expecting that now you're going to have to follow up or an airline has changed your flight time and you are done. You're done. You're gone. You're gone. You were not with the person that you were with before. So notice that we're, we are susceptible to the compulsion of looking at our phone and that once we're sucked in, it's kind of like Vegas. It's kind of hard to get back out (laughs) and just, you know, be really real about that. Like I need boundaries. We all do hundred percent. We all need some boundaries.
0: So this week you have a brand new book coming out. Yeah, and so tell us about it. What's the title of the book, and what caused you—not caused you, but what inspired you to write it?
1: Well, it's called Better Daily Mindfulness Habits, and it's simple changes with lifelong impact. And I wrote it because I have been uh, teaching mindfulness and really studying it. It's a mountain with no top for years, and I really struggled with integrating it into my life. It mindfulness is easy. It's if you remember to do it, right? So how the question is, how do I remember? How do I remember to stay mindful? And so I had gotten into the little bit of a wormhole of reading all about habits. I started off with Gretchen Rubin's book, Better Than Before. And then that led me to Charles Duhigg and James Clear, and then eventually BJ Fogg. And um, I've read a couple more since then. And that's when the light bulb went off for me how you remember to be mindful is through habits. We, we create structures and practices that fit into specific points in our lives that when I arrive there, I say, oh yeah, I want to be mindful. I need to come back to myself. And, and the good thing is that the more we practice it, uh, the easier it comes and the, and the more, um, the more it's available to us. So to me, the idea of writing a book about how to merge the worlds of ha- world of habits with the, with the world of mindfulness really inspired me. And I, I think we all write the book that we need to read. And so writing the book solidified for me my understanding and, and also made it a lot e- easier for me to practice mindfulness. And that's what my hope is for, for readers.
0: And the book comes available on Tuesday?
1: Yep. Tuesday, July 13th. I'm very excited. So
0: I I guess it's, uh, there's something about Tuesday. All the books seem to be released. Yes, I know.
1: I noticed that too. Is that a law?
0: Is that a constitution
1: or something? I have no idea why that is, but yes, I'm, I'm with you with, with my podcast too. I'm always like, oh, and luckily my podcast comes out every Tuesday so I'm like, oh great, I could definitely talk about this book that day. So, yeah. I don't know. I wish I could give you an answer.
0: <laughs> so, how long have you uh, have has it taken you from the time you started writing the book until it was finally this is done?
1: Huh. Well, I <sighs> 12 weeks to be honest wow. I I it was a speed run but that's the my best way of working I I, I can I, I meet lots of authors and some tell me that their books took years and I would if a book took me years i'd be so bored by, by it by the time i submitted it so it was the perfect scenario for me it was a very tight deadline we wanted the book to come out this summer so i basically started it at the beginning of december and i was done by i think it was the beginning of february so it was it was super fast and but it it really represented work that i had been uh, picking away at for years. So it wasn't like it needed research or I had to, I was not starting from scratch. It was really a, a a compilation of everything that I had already been processing for a very long time. So it, it, it came easy to me and I enjoyed, enjoyed the sprint. It was a bit athletic. It was a, it was a very uh, athletic way of writing and I, I really liked it.
0: Nice. So, do you have a specific uh, URL you want to share with us, or just go to Amazon and Barnes Noble, where can get your book?
1: Yeah, I think Amazon, Barnes and Nobles uh, for people in Canada, uh, Chapters Indigo or Indigo Chapters. It's it's already available there. I don't know why we went to Canada <laughs> first. I'm not sure why, but yeah, wherever anybody buys books online, they're going to be able to find it. And and um, I just hope they enjoy it and. If they have any questions, they could reach out. I'd love to connect with people about it. So don't hesitate.
0: What I think is interesting is, you know, author, you wrote the book very quickly and authors that spend years writing their books. I, I think about artists who go on tour. So they wrote all the music. Then they go in the studio and record it. Then they go on a tour. And one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, Hillsong United, we saw them on tour two years ago and they toured like for f- five months. And I I can't imagine that last the last night are they going, oh, you guys know the songs, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, I mean, you really got to love your work either to read the edits over and over and over again. Like, well, this needs to be rewritten. This is close. And I mean, you really got to have, you know, and most people won't do that. Most people are an instant gratification. Most people, they want to post a video on social media or they want to send a text but for i am my hat goes off to anyone who can compose music or draw or write because that you can't it's not a microwave thing it takes time so yeah.
1: good and on discipline you. yeah it did, yes. i i set myself a writing schedule i never veered from it i really was a good friend of my future self. I never missed a writing time thinking, Oh, you know, next week's Kristen will catch up. Never did that. I, I, I wanted it to be very stress-free and it really was. So I enjoyed writing it. And I think that that's came through, came through in, in the writing. It's a easy book to read and it certainly, um, has a lot of love and insight in it. So I'm very proud of it.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing about your book. And I know it's going to be successful. I just feel it because you're a genuinely nice person. And I, I got to believe the book is going to be awesome. So thank you so thank much you. for your time today.
1: Thank you for having me. It means the world. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention, for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchesky Podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value value. So if you want to sign up absolutely free, just head on over to Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R. Mr. Productivity.com.